And so really, we just break down our activities by, you know, what are we doing from a demand creation perspective? What are the channels and, and what are the, the, the tactics and, and what's the message? And then what are we doing from a demand, create, uh, demand capture perspective? We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Edward Ford. Edward Ford, uh, who is uh, someone I've been following actually for quite a while on LinkedIn, uh, and I'm sure that you, even if you don't follow him, you may have seen his posts because they get quite a, a, a few, you know, likes and comments and shares and generate some bad generally. Uh, he's the demand gen director at Supermetrics, a company you already know and have heard of. Maybe you are using Supermetrics already. He joined the company as employee number 32 and marketeer number four. Since he joined uh, Supermetrics, um, the company has grown to more than 300 employees and three, uh, 30 people plus in the marketing team. And they've more than 5x their ARR in that time. Uh, quite, quite impressive. Uh, Edward has previously worked for the growth marketing agency Advanced B2B and hosted the Growth Hub podcast, growing the show to over 100,000 downloads. I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, I've been following you for a while. Uh, I'm really glad that we finally get to talk to each other. And uh, I'd like to welcome you to the SaaS SEO show. George, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So as we do with everyone here at the SaaS SEO show, and even though I said quite a few things about you, uh, could you please share a few things about your background and um, let us know how did you end up uh, to a growth marketing agency and then to Supermetrics after that? Yeah, so when I graduated and started in my career, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I was interested in a lot of areas of business and I, I joined a really small agency here in Helsinki where I got the chance to work on um, project management. I was working as part of um, delivering projects, uh, a lot of copywriting and content creation. I was then doing sales, so key account management. I was doing marketing, growing the team as well. So it was a great 360 learning experience. Marketing was the one thing I really liked and enjoyed uh, and thought maybe I, I, I have the best opportunity to succeed in this area as well. 
and so I ended up joining a tech company here in Helsinki, which was growing super quickly. And then uh, that kind of got me interested in the world of tech and in particular SaaS at that period, 2014, 15, SaaS was really getting a lot of traction and a local marketing agency who had special who was specialized in working with b2b SaaS companies reached out to me we had met at a local hubspot user group meetup and they were about to go international and try to grow the business and work with global and international SaaS brands and the founders had a, a great reputation and the company had a good reputation i thought wow this is a great opportunity and that was when i jumped into the world of SaaS, and we started working with all these great SaaS clients from uh, around the world salesforce were with a the company's first client. Um, so the, the agency was called Advanced B2B. We started a podcast as well. At that time, there were a lot of podcasts about B2B marketing. There were a lot of podcasts about SaaS, but there wasn't really a single podcast dedicated purely to B2B SaaS marketing. So this was like late 2016, early 2017. So we started the Growth Hub podcast and interviewed all these great marketers from, from SaaS companies like Bill Masitis, the, the former CMO at Slack and Zendesk, April Dunford, David Cancel, CEO of Drift. Um, and I remember the the time I thought, okay, this podcast is big when the first person ever wrote to me saying, can I be on your podcast? And it was Dave Gerhardt, um, who's now huge. So that was, I think, episode seven or eight. Uh, and that was when we thought, okay, we're on to something here. And uh, from there, uh, you know, had a great two, two and a half, three years uh, at Advanced B2B. And then uh, I was really keen to join a SaaS company. That was something I had earmarked as the next step. And Supermetrics reached out, which at first, when I first heard of Supermetrics, I actually thought they were an American company, but I think they're Finland's best kept SaaS secret. So they're a Finnish company based here in Helsinki, even though we do have global offices uh, around the world, including now in, in the States, in Atlanta. Uh, and then, yeah, at that point, as you said, small company, around 30 employees, everyone sat in the same room, small marketing team, a great chance to come in early and just uh, figure stuff out, help the company grow. And uh, that that was kind of my path into growth marketing and agency and, and supermetrics. I think that uh, many people who, who come to, to the podcast and speak to the podcast, they, they have at some point, uh, you know, in their careers, they, they have um, been they have worked at an agency and i think that this is even though the the experience may be very intense let's say because agencies you know it's it's a crazy world um at the same time you get to see all these different like uh things interact with all these different companies and really get to 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 see the game from a different perspective uh while if you work in just one company you you see just one analytics account uh you think of, of you know marketing initiatives about one company and and that's it pretty much uh while i think that it's a very important thing the fact that you started uh from an agency and then you evolved uh, based on that yeah absolutely agree so i went agency in-house agency then back in-house at supermetrics and advice I have for all marketers, particularly if you're, it doesn't really matter what stage you're at in your career, but especially if you're kind of early on, go and work in a marketing agency. It is one of the best schools for marketing and one of the best places for you to grow personally and, and professionally. As you said, when you work at an agency, it can be quite intense, but you your learning is accelerated. And, and, and I'll give you an example. So when I was at Advanced B2B, 
at one point, you know, you're working with maybe four or five different clients. And that means you're exposed to four or five different businesses, industries, challenges. All clients will have their own, own sort of challenges that they need help with. You can come in, you can work with all these different people. And if you've spent one year working with those four or five clients, in a way, you've almost gained four or five years of experience in that time because you've been exposed to so much. Whereas, of course, when you're in-house, you can go super deep. Uh, and maybe that's one of the flip sides of, of the agency life in that we, I would often say, you know, imagine if we could just spend all our time working with this one client for, for the next month, what we could achieve. And um, so it's it's a bit of a trade-off. But yeah, I think working in an agency is, is a great, uh, great place uh, for people and, and marketers to go and spend some time. I agree with you. Um, for people who may have never heard of uh, Supermetrics, can you please uh, let us know a few things about the product? Uh, who is the typical customer and who gets the most value? Yeah. So Supermetrics essentially enables marketers and, and marketing teams to access their data, better access data, centralize it in your reporting and analytics uh, and dashboarding tools. So what we do is that we essentially just connect the dots between all your siloed marketing data. So if you have data in Google Analytics, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, and HubSpot, and say Salesforce as your CRM, Supermetrics will basically help you move whatever data it is you want from those platforms to wherever it is you want to move it to, whether it's a spreadsheet for nitty gritty analysis, whether it's uh, data studio for uh, client reports or for dashboards, whether it's BigQuery for building out a marketing data warehouse, Supermetrics just really enables you to streamline the flow of your marketing and sales data. And we've always served marketers. They're, they're our, our primary audience, particularly marketing analysts or a lot of practitioner marketers, whether you're a performance marketer, SEO marketer or content marketer, um, web analyst. But now we're also speaking a lot more to data teams as you know, data is such a critical part of, of the marketing stack and having access to, to good and clean data is almost a, a must have now. So we're working with data teams who are then enabling and building that infrastructure for marketers so that they have access to that data. Um, so those are the, the major, uh, major audience that we have. And in particular, agency marketers as well are, are a big segment for us because, as, as you know, when you're working with multiple clients, you have to stay on top of all their performance and you need to report back to each client on how they're doing. So we we also automate that entire process, saving marketers like a huge amount of time and, and a lot of pain and, and headaches from manually pulling it all together. Yeah. Uh, since the thing is that when I hear of the, um, the word supermetrics, I always um, make very specific associations uh, as to what the product is and what the product can can do, but at the same time, I think of a, a very big brand, which is not you know it's not it's rare, I would say, uh, the fact that a European company uh, now obviously international, but uh, a company that's initially rooted here in in Europe has made it um, and is growing so fast and you know has attained such a uh, such a great uh, growth over the last uh, few years my question to you as the person who leads the demand gen side of things at supermetrics is 
How much of that growth would you attribute to Supermetrics being a, a great product and you know a very big brand and one of the first, if not the first of its kind? And how much to great execution on the growth and demand gen side? Yeah, I guess it's a bit of both for sure. I think uh, you know we were spoke speaking just before uh, we we came on air about the fact that Supermetrics was one of the first, if not the first, to market when our CEO and and founder. He, he was working as a marketing data analyst and he just needed to get all this marketing data into an Excel spreadsheet. So he built the first version of, of Supermetrics and then that kind of evolved over time and he realized actually there's a lot of other people who need this. Um, uh, and so he put it up as a, uh, uh, as, as a subscription SaaS product and then eventually started the company. So I think for sure there's a huge uh, demand for for the product that we had particularly in the early days when there weren't many competitors um but still over time there's there's just such a great demand for marketers to be able to centralize and access their data wherever it is that they would like on their own terms um and then combine that with really quite quite a strong marketing and sales uh, team which has grown over time and really the approach we've taken has been to look at the situation we're in and think okay what is it that makes sense from a marketing and demand gen perspective in terms of what should we focus on we speak a lot in demand gen about the difference between demand creation and demand capture and trying to estimate how much there is available to capture and how much time we should split between the two which kind of channels do we really see uh moving the needle and also not trying to do everything at once we were pretty selective with what we wanted to focus on like as i said when i joined the business there were three other people in the marketing team we couldn't do everything when you're a four-person team uh that there's there's a lot of things you need to do we're bringing new products to market we had our existing customers um who we needed to to market to and, and communicate to so there's a limited amount of things you can invest in but then over time as that team has grown then we've layered in a podcast we've laid in community we've laid in social uh, and so over time you kind of build this this engine and kind of move upstream as well from just focusing purely on the demand capture to to the demand creation and this comes to building the brand and making sure that we don't just get lost in in purely focusing on long tail uh seo keywords uh, and paid search but are doing a lot of things in addition so that you can kind of build up this this demand engine so um for sure uh, there's there's both factors at play. Really strong demand for the product and uh, good product market fit. You could see that from the numbers in the early days, uh, and then as well combining that with uh, well thought out marketing and, and, and sales plan in terms of go to market and, and the things that we're investing in. One question that I have for you: Obviously, everyone has their own you know opinions and ways of doing things, but how would you define demand gen and demand creation? Let's say um in general and maybe a bit more specifically for for supermetrics yeah so on a high level the way we think about it is really been influenced a lot by chris walker and and refine labs I, I think that they've been really driving this demand gen movement over the last year or two so we look at demand gen as basically a combination of demand creation plus demand capture so if you think of your total addressable market, only a small fraction of that market is really in a buying cycle. They're actively looking for a solution. They're comparing 
different uh, possible products. Uh, they might be comparing you with a competitor or, or you with alternatives. So this is really the demand capture piece. Uh, and let's say 5% of your total addressable market are in that demand capture phase. But then the rest, the 95% are maybe not actively looking to buy. They might be thinking about something uh, further down the line, but you still need to reach them. You need to build awareness. You need to create demand for what it is that you provide and the value you deliver so that when they're in a buying cycle, you're almost getting a head start uh, and it just makes the conversion uh, much easier. So this is kind of on a high level what we think about at Supermetrics in terms of what we define demand gen as, because it's a bit of a conflicting term at the same time, because I think you know, if you're a marketer, your job is to generate demand regardless as to what team you sit in. Um, if you're in product, if you're in customer support, if you're in sales, you all, everybody needs to generate demand for, for your brand and your offering. Um, but we'll not go down that route uh, at this point in terms of the semantics. Um, and so really we just break down our activities by, you know, what are we doing from a demand creation perspective? What are the channels and, and what are the, the, the tactics and, and what's the message? And then what are we doing from a demand create uh, demand capture perspective um, and so forth? So that's how we think a, a little bit about demand gen. And I think as well, we've always been running the sort of demand gen playbook in, in the Supermetrics marketing team. And, you know, it, I've been following the discussion around this transition towards demand gen and a lot of it has come from this switch from lead gen to demand gen in a lot of marketers have been just focusing on generating leads and pushing them to sales. Uh, and maybe we can get into more detail on this later on, but really we've never had that thought process because we got to 5 million ARR without a single sales team. We didn't have a sales team. So, you know, you can't hide behind ebook downloads. Uh, or PDF downloads, uh, you need to sell the product. So marketing was working with product on just driving revenue. And so that set us up. And then we've laid a sales assisted funnel on top of that. So we haven't had this transition that a lot of companies are going through now where it's, okay, we need to shift from lead gen to demand gen and kind of rethink the way we think about marketing and, and the playbook and so forth. So uh, that's kind of our, our overview on, on how we look at demand gen. I was reading um, one of your uh, LinkedIn posts uh, the other day, the one about crossing 15, uh, 50 million in ARR, uh, annual recurring revenue, and uh, you were discussing the difference between demand generation and lead generation um, and why uh, Supermetrics chooses not to gate uh, content to, to capture leads. Would you say that this is um, also part of your overall philosophy and approach around uh, demand gen, um, as opposed to having something gated, uh, which would make it a lead gen. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's always been our approach. We've always just focused on, you know, what makes sense for us. And we've never really felt the need to package something up in PDF format and put it behind a, a form. I think for us, we've felt that there are much better ways for, for us to uh, reach the people we need to reach. And, and I guess as well, one of our objectives has always been to, to grow uh, and uh, drive free trials for Supermetrics. So you can take a 14-day free trial um, and in a way, gating a 
an ebook i don't know is it is it going to help that is it just adding friction is, is there any point in a way uh and so really we've been focused on on just creating content that's available that's value adding uh particularly since we've focused a lot on on seo as well that's something we'll dig into to more so we don't really want to just package something up and run a bunch of paid ads to that landing page rather we'd we'd drive people to to something else um and then i i guess the question is like what is gated content because i'm not necessarily saying that there isn't a place for it but i think that the bar is just a lot higher if you have something really value adding um maybe it's something that you want to um you know you, you you really need to invest a lot in creating something that i think is 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 next level uh, maybe it's your own original research maybe it's something super super unique um and so forth so not necessarily saying that there isn't a place for it but i just think that you know you can't default to the 2014 inbound playbook of, of gating a 15 page pdf and, and assuming that that's going to drive revenue for your business yeah the, the argument here also is uh regarding pdfs uh pdfs and ebooks let's say ebooks we some sometimes we engage in conversations with our clients about creating an ebook and i'm not saying like maybe they work for some companies i don't know um but my argument is always do you think that someone is really going to read that i mean we we don't have now the uh, time nowadays to to read even a single blog post you know uh, are we going to uh, really going to uh, to read an ebook i mean for us it's it's great we are going to do some work we are going to get paid for this work okay but i'm very interested in whether or not this is going to be consumed by the 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 person for whom we supposedly create uh, this this ebook or whatever and we put all this effort and investment and so on and so forth so it's also i don't know i think that things kind of change and as you mentioned something that worked back in 2014 or whatever may not work today and i think that ebooks may be uh, a bit timely relevant uh let's yeah. say it, they may work for some some companies i don't know but uh, that's just my opinion yeah and I'll, I'll give you one good example of how you could rethink the approach to how you distribute this kind of content there's um a SaaS company in ireland called work vivo and they work in the employee engagement space and they had conducted some original research through a survey that was asking hr and people ops leaders uh, about their sort of state uh having you know gone through a pretty heavy couple of years with with the pandemic and the shift to remote and all the challenges that come with that and when you're in the the hr and people team there's a lot on your table and and they found that you know an overwhelming amount of hr leaders were burnt out themselves and they needed the support that that they were giving to others and that could have easily been packaged up in an ebook and you could have shared that and promoted it through paid ads and tried to get the contact information of a lot of people who would fit your icp but they made a huge long form landing page it was super interactive it showed yeah. the statistics from the findings of the the survey they had with um recommendations and and really value adding interesting uh, original research um original content and what happened is that then it started getting picked up on social everyone was talking about it everyone was sharing it and then media outlets picked up on it like forbes uh, and other publications referenced and wrote articles specifically about this research and they generated a ton of visibility a ton of referral traffic 
which was targeting and, and directly reaching their ICP um, key personas uh, from the, the right geos. And so this, I think, is the way to think about it. it it's not about just holding something in and, and hiding it behind uh, a wall. If you have something value adding, you want to get it out into the world. Uh, and so I think that um, I, I know a couple of guys from the work Vivo team, they, they did a great job in putting this together and, uh, and promoting it. Uh, so I think this is a, a good way to kind of think about what you could be doing. I agree with you. I, I was not aware of this example and I would love to uh, take a look at it and uh, also include it in the show notes. Uh, we see the same thing for, for, you know, for us, uh, like we, we do uh, what we call original content that we uh, wrote a blog was about it. Uh, that was published this week, I think in our, in our blog, um, this idea of, you know, doing content that's, or even covering an existing topic just with a, uh, slightly different from a slightly different standpoint, um, can make things way more, more interesting. And we see that this is the kind of content that people really values nowadays and you know when people come to us and they uh, in, in many cases what happens is that they come to us and <clears throat> they are like content is uh, uh is going to be um a, a point of their journey you know uh, i was reading this blog post or i saw this webinar there and you mentioned something that i haven't heard of and so on and so forth so i think that taking all these you know unique perspectives and turning them into something that will really add value without having it gated necessarily. I think that this is the, the, you know, the, the right way. And especially for such companies when, where, you know, every, like there is a lot of homogeneity, let's say, uh, in the way, uh, companies do, uh, content. I think that what we need is more original ideas, as you mentioned. Yeah. And I think especially in terms of top of the funnel brand awareness, demand creation, that I think is a really, you know, strong playbook, uh, and and you know you want people to share that content, um, and and it's very different content to say a, a lot of mid to bottom of funnel content that's built for targeting specific keywords. Like we know that there's a lot of content we create that no one is going to share on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Um, so. It's, it's all about understanding the kind of content you're creating and how you plan to distribute that as well. Speaking of content, one thing that really impressed me about your content is how detailed and practical it is and how well you integrate the product when obviously that makes sense. For example, your post on conducting a, an SEO content audit is, as I understood it, and I would like to hear from you, obviously, it's like it's written by someone who has actually done a content audit using super metrics. Uh, they know what they are talking about. Um, they know how Supermetrics fits into the, the process. Um, and this is something really, really difficult to find. Um, so my question, I guess, is can you please explain how you source writers like that? And how does the process look like to, um, to come up with such a, an impressive outcome, even for a person who, who like, uh, does content for a living? Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the roots of our content strategy. And, and that particular article that you mentioned in terms of how to conduct an SEO audit uh, was written by uh, Binya, who, who used to work in the Supermetrics marketing team. She's a superstar. She is one of the very best. Um, so we were lucky to, to work with her. And I, I've also had the pleasure to work with her in a, a previous company as well. Um, 
but really the the approach we took to content was i would say product-led as you said a lot of the content is in depth it's quite practical and it brings the product in in a natural way so it's not just promoting it oh by the way start your free trial of supermetrics but really with a lot of our content is answering like how to do something um so in this case how to do a content uh, uh seo content audit and binya as uh, one of the best content marketers out there she's done that uh, she's done it with supermetrics and she basically outlined the process of how you can do it and so at the relevant point you need to basically bring in the right data to be able to do that audit and obviously supermetrics is one way how you can do that so we obviously bring that in and it's a great way for people to start using the product to start a trial and to see the value of the product within the context of a use case that's going to be really really relevant to them so a lot of content marketers a lot of seo marketers whether you're in-house uh or, or if you're an agency this is really an article written for you and it's a an article that's targeting a pretty long tail keyword the volume is not super high but the intent is is pretty high we know that if someone's searching for this they could get value from supermetrics and that could become uh you know a, a paying customer at the end of the day uh, and so we found a lot of these long tail keywords uh low volume also pretty low competition and we found that if we could write the best article that we can on this topic if we're super helpful very thorough step by step um then we know it's going to do well we know it's going to rank and we know that it's going to generate a steady stream of good quality trials uh in into the, the top of our funnel so it, it's the kind of win-win for everybody and we've we're pretty thorough in terms of the content that we create we create ourselves whether it's uh Binia when she was at the supermetrics team or or other members of our content team or the marketing team whenever we're creating content we're pretty thorough and we have pretty high standards and that's the same also when we are sourcing or, or looking for for guest writers so we have a lot of people who ask to contribute to the blog we have a pretty thorough vetting process uh to to kind of make sure that the people who come in and, and write guest articles are going to keep the the standards that we set and then also we've reached out to freelancers uh, and we've targeted you know really good quality freelancers who have a good reputation in the industry uh definitely not the cheapest but we know that there's other costs if you if you're if you're not willing to to pay and there's uh, for example um we now have moved into the e-commerce space so you can bring a lot of data from e-commerce platforms like shopify clavio and so forth and combine that with your other marketing data so that was a new space for us in the last year or so so we found a great freelance writer who specialized in e-commerce marketing and, and e-commerce analytics uh, and so forth so that's been our approach to the kind of content we create the standards and, and also how we find good people a follow-up question to that would be around the use cases how do you know that conducting an seo content audit is one of the use cases for seo professionals seo marketers however you want to call them how do you know how will you how have you how have you uh, managed to map out all the use cases uh for example for seo professionals that we know that seo folks uh, use supermetrics for these reasons and you know now that we know that we are going to create in-depth content or you know launch other initiatives uh around these use cases yeah so the first one is that 
we talk to a lot of our customers. We do a lot of customer interviews and we try to do interviews from different types of companies, whether you're an agency, a small business or an enterprise. We do interviews with different personas, whether you're a SEO marketer, a performance marketer or an analyst. And we just do also a lot of case studies. So we, we interview customers uh, when we're creating our, our case studies and customer success stories. So we get a lot of input from our customers and we know the major use cases they have, the problems um, that we solved. And then secondly, I think also we ourselves as marketers know the pain. Um, so we ourselves, we needed to do a, an SEO content audit. Um, so we had to figure out how to do it. Our performance team are using Supermetrics like daily that they're power users so we have um you know a resource sitting next to us uh, where we can you know ask you know how are you using supermetrics and our performance team do a lot of lunch and learns or they might do sessions for for new employees on how supermetrics uses supermetrics uh, and then we also have an internal data team uh, an analytics team who are also using supermetrics um uh, and and they're using a lot of the data warehouse products so we have access to users within the company as well which is uh super useful and i think you know even if you're not in martech say you're working at uh, a SaaS company for finance you probably have a finance team who will be using your product so you have people in-house who you can go and speak to um and and then as well we we also do keyword research and that's a, a good way to kind of understand what people are searching for what are some of the challenges we have and we can figure out you know is this something you could use supermetrics for uh so those are probably some of the major ways where we we just get an understanding of, of the different use cases uh and and major ways people are using supermetrics i would like to know how important seo is in all this like do you factor seo in your con strategy or you you like you just when it is um a keyword that you want to target you're going to do just just that because and the reason I'm asking is because there are many companies that try to like uh, assign, let's say, uh, a keyword uh, behind each piece of content that they are going to, pu to publish. And this is the case, believe it or not, even when they are going to publish something that's product focused, like uh, uh, a new feature or, uh, you know, something related to the product. Um, so I would love to to hear your thoughts on um, how important SEO is uh, for for Supermetrics's con strategy. Yeah, it, it's very important, and and I think especially so uh, historically, like when I joined, I would say ninety five percent of our content strategy was built around creating content that is optimized for search, and even within that, we had a focus of. Uh, like we spoke earlier, it's long tail, it's high intent, and it's typically low competition. So a lot of things like how to conduct an SEO content audit, how to move Facebook ads data to data studio, how to build an Instagram insights spreadsheet report, all these kinds of keywords where people are looking to do something transactional and our product enables marketer to do that. And so it was a lot of mid to bottom of funnel content optimized for search. And a lot of those articles we wrote years ago are still generating, you know, really good amounts of traffic on a monthly basis. And we know that it's 
relatively good quality traffic. There's there's a lot of intent around people who come to our website and come to a relevant blog post using those kinds of search terms compared to say something like SEO data or big data. There's probably a lot of people searching for that, but we have no idea what the intent is. And we have no idea, is this going to match with a, our ICP? And so we didn't want to fall into the trap of creating these big cornerstone pieces on these very, you know, top of funnel keywords where we don't know the intent. Yes, there's a lot of volume. Yes, if we get number one on Google, we could like 100x our organic website traffic. But we just thought there's no point. There's absolutely no point. There's so much that we can squeeze out from these um, these these uh, long tail keywords, and there's so many we could work through because the use case is 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 so wide for supermetrics. And this is really something that's unique about our product in that we're middleware. It's a bit of an invisible product. It's not something that you can just go and like log into uh, and so forth, but it generates a huge amount of use cases and, and there's some really creative ways people are using our product. So we can just write about those. Uh, and, and that's been something that's worked really well for us. And now over time, we have added additional layers of content to that. As you said, we're, we're posting product updates or announcements, which are not written for search, but they're things that we would share in our customer newsletter, for example. Yep. Um, and we know that a lot of our existing customers will come and check the Supermetrics blog just to see what we're writing about and, and to see if there's some new updates. And then like a lot of this sort of brand-driven content where we're looking at strategic narratives that we want to tell. Uh, and you know that's not really written for search, but it's looking at social, it's looking at PR and, and other distribution channels as well. Um, so the content strategy has evolved over time. And I would say that a lot of our content originally was built around the demand capture side. And we still do that. Uh, and that's a, a big part of, of what we do. But we've also layered on what I would consider to be more demand creation content. That makes sense. And I think that uh, Supermetrics is, uh, it's in a, is in a very unique position, let's say, where the product's capabilities are truly amazing. And so you can really position yourself as a solution to uh, this, let's say, job to be done uh, that also happens to have a target keyword behind it. Uh, why not? And so, and quite frankly, when I visited your blog and read some of these uh, blog posts as I was doing research for this episode, I didn't feel like, you know, they are trying to sell or, or anything like that. On the contrary, I felt, you know, why, why are they going so in depth? Like this is, this is really hard work. Uh, but at the same time, I can think as, you know, for, for example, for a junior marketer who actually want to perform an SEO con, uh, audit, uh, let's say that would be really eye opening and they would be really, Okay, yeah, I will do it exactly like that. And the product that I need to uh, to use is Supermetrics. So uh, it's a win-win, uh, I, I guess. Um, uh, the next question that I have for you, um, as we are uh, running out of time, is uh, you are a hardworking practitioner in the SaaS industry, and uh, you have uh, quite a few years, uh, I would say, uh, under your belt. I'd like to know what advice um, you would give to companies smaller and uh, larger than Supermetrics uh, regarding their growth and uh, demand gen uh, efforts. 
Yeah, I, I think what's important is that you work hard on the things that make sense. And what what advice I would give is is really figure out why you're doing something. Like, why are we doing this? Does it make sense? Could we be spending our time on something more more effective? Um, I think that you you really need to to make sure that you're doing things for the right reasons and that they're firstly providing value to to your audience we kind of just you, you kind of spoke about that that there's a lot of value in the content it's it's quite thorough it's quite in-depth but at the same time it's generating value for the business so that we know that we're giving value um, to our audience but we also think that you know there's a lot of value they could get from supermetrics which in turn would generate value for the business uh, so that's often how how I think about marketing as well in, in that you just really need to think about who you're trying to reach, what value can you add without trying to overly sell the product. Um, I think that you just need to position it in a way that people can make a decision. Do I really see value in this? Do I think that the amount of money we would pay per month for, for this product, you know, whether it's like $100 a month is returned in terms of the value is greater than that. And so it's an investment we should make. Is it going to make our lives easier? So uh, I, I think marketing is it's very easy to overcomplicate marketing and to get lost in all the tactics and channels and uh, just you know everything that comes with marketing. There's so much that marketing teams are responsible for nowadays as well that you, you can't possibly do everything. So just figure out the channels that you want to make a bet on and align with, with the company strategy and just provide value to, to customers and provide value uh, to the business. I, I think that's something that served us quite well. And now over time, we've layered things on top of the, the, the th like I would say that when I joined, we had three major channels that we focused on. One was marketplaces, one was SEO, and one was paid. Uh, and we did some other things as well, but now we've been able to layer on top of that. So keep it simple and, and just really keep the customer in mind, but also keep keep your eyes on the, the goal it's it's not ebook downloads it's not leads it's it's growth it's revenue uh at the end of the day i think that's a great uh, way to wrap things up uh edward this was very very insightful and i'd like to thank you very much for uh being so generous with your time knowing how busy you are um my last question would be uh call to action for our listeners where can people find out more about you and get in touch if if they want yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, so that's where I'm, I'm quite active uh, and learning a lot myself there. So uh, feel free to, to reach out and connect um, on LinkedIn. That's great. We will drop uh, your LinkedIn profile uh, in the show notes and also Supermetrics uh, website, uh, LinkedIn and so on. Uh, once again, thank you very much for, for doing this. Really appreciate it. And I would like to have you back when um, Supermetrics reaches the next milestone. I don't know if it's the 100 million in ARR, uh, you know, a revenue mark, but if that's it, I would like to have you back then. Okay, thank you very much. Let's do it. Thanks, George. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, 
you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.